We're blessed to be able to be worshipped. Worship the living God today, aren't we? Part of our life, part of the reason that we're here is to serve Him. Most important part of our life. For many of us, part of it is to be a family, to be brothers and sisters, of course, but the <clears throat> most important thing is to serve Him. My iPad was messing up in the back, so I figured I'd just go ahead and bring two. Sure love you today. I want to thank each of you for helping us and uh, during Erica's sickness and uh, <clears throat> all the sisters that brought food and everything that y'all have done, all your prayers. And uh, appreciate you coming to be with us last Sunday and we certainly need your continued prayers that the Lord would just strengthen us and, and help us and we believe that he will. This is part of our life, isn't it? Getting ready for a graduation, passing from this life to the next life. And uh, if anybody tells you that Erica is dead, you tell them no. She is not dead. She's more alive today than she's ever been before. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we wouldn't bring her back for nothing in the world. So we go to where she is. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 27, if you would, today, verse 45. <clears throat> I certainly appreciate your prayer. I'm going to try to speak to you a little bit today. If the Lord will help me. Matthew 27, <clears throat> 45. Now from the sixth hour was darkness over the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lamech, Sabbathani. That is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know that the anointing left him in the garden of Gethsemane. And the word why means for what purpose, wherefore, why. Let me give you the answer to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. This is the answer to why. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I may like to be remembered today as we pray. Heavenly Father, we count it such a privilege once again to be in your presence. There's nothing like your presence what it does for us, the way that it helps us, the way that it ministers to us. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that once again we can come today and be gathered in your presence and also in the presence of the saints of God. How we love one another, how we need one another. Lord God, we just pray that you would 
Take your word today and speak to us, Father. Help us, Lord, that we can be benefited by our gathering together today. Take your word and minister to our hearts. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to speak to you from that one word. Why? Probably most of us learned this word, those of us who speak the English language, when we were very young. Why? Because it was in our fallen nature when we wanted to do something or wanted to participate in something and our father, our mother would tell us no and then we would ask, why? How come? Why can I do this or why can I go there? Or why do I have to do it this way or that way? So it's something that most of us are very familiar with. Why? Why itself is not necessarily wrong, or the Lord Jesus would have never asked why. But when why becomes wrong, it's when our attitude of asking why is not correct. I don't think the Lord Jesus just said why. I think he experienced why. He himself was the only one that could ever take our sins, and he knew that. He was not ignorant of his position. He was not one come to the earth trying to find out why he was here. He knew why he was here. But when he was faced with dealing with what he was fixing to go through, not just to be in pain, whipped, despised, rejected. But he actually must become the snake on the pole. He must become sin. So he was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. And then he asked the question, why? How come? Well, we know that he knew that. He knew his reason for being here. I don't know about you, I'm so glad that he allowed himself to feel why. I've had lots of whys in my life. I'm sure everybody here today has had whys. I think I can say it without exaggeration, probably most of us experienced something Sunday, last Sunday, that we never thought we would do. Right? Most of you probably have questions today. Why? How come? I don't understand. Well, let me just tell you right now, if you're expecting me to have them answers, you're asking the wrong fellow. Because I don't have them either. Why? How come? I'm not sure. But there's one thing I've learned When I don't have the answers, I've learned to trust the one who does. 
Now the Lord himself, he altered the Old Testament. God used this word, three-letter word. Why? So God would ask people, alter the Old Testament. Why this? And why that? And why something else? And then in turn, the people would ask. So you wonder, why would God take Sarah? It looked like that she was certainly not of an age to pass. God had renewed her youth. And what was she, 127 years old, something like that. But in reality, by the renewing of her body, she would have only been maybe in her 20s. So it wasn't like that she was an old woman anymore. And the setting that God chose to take her would seem so odd and so unusual. In Genesis 23, 1, and Sarah was 127 years old, and these were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Now, what's so difficult to understand about this is that Abraham has just had one of the greatest experiences in his life. And that experience was he had taken his son to the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice. You remember the story? And God created a ram. And Abraham offered that ram to God. Isaac and Abraham come off the mountain and they hear this devastating news. Sarah has died. Abraham wasn't even there. Notice the way Moses says this, and Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron, the land of Canaan, and Abraham came to mourn for Sarah. Why? Why? Why would not God wait a day or two till Abraham could have at least said goodbye? Why? Now, you see, when things in life arise that raise the question why, we can spend all of our time in our heads trying to reason it out, or we can let our heart talk to us. For me, I refuse to let my head dominate my walk with God. Because in the Garden of Eden, Satan chose man's head but God chose man's heart. And your heart will believe things about God that your mind can never process or comprehend. You imagine Abraham wondering, God, how could such a devastating thing happen? Now, Abraham and Sarah were not just a couple in the Bible that people read about, <clears throat> but they have been called down through the ages for thousands of years the sweethearts of the Bible. And God would take this man's sweetheart. And in one sense of the word, it was now a time when they could really start living and enjoying each other and their son. And an insurmountable victory had just been attained by Abraham. And God, after that great event, in his will, 
decides to take Sarah. And one way you look at it, you think the tribes of Israel would have been better off had Sarah lived. Because after Sarah dies, then Abraham marries another woman. Her name is Keturah. From Keturah comes Sheba, Meda, Dedan, all these different tribes which will conglomerate and make up part of the Arabian tribes around Israel. Why would God take her in? I'm not sure Abraham ever knew. But what I find amazing is you never find Abraham pouting on God and saying, I'll tell you one thing, if that's the way you are, I'll never live for you another day. Somehow Abraham trusted even when he didn't understand. Anybody going to preach with me today? You see, God's way is so far above our way. I, I cannot imagine how this man felt as he's coming down and he cannot wait to get back to the tent from Moriah and let Sarah know what God has done. Sarah, you'll not believe it. He must have rehearsed it over and over and over again. I can't wait to tell her. I can't wait to tell her, Sarah, I had to keep it from you because I knew you'd be a nervous wreck. So me and Isaac had to slip out and I I, I didn't want to keep it from you. And you imagine he just kept thinking it over and over again. I can't wait to tell her. She's going to be so excited. But a servant meets him and said, Master, Sarah is gone. Gone where? She passed or you were gone. Now remember, this is the man that God told him. I will give to you and your seed the land of Canaan. And up to this time, he didn't own one acre. As a matter of fact, the only ground he ever owned in the land of Canaan was a cemetery called the cave of Machpelah. So did God forget somehow what he promised Abraham? No. But yet God told him directly, this land that you're walking, it's yours. It's yours and your seed. But the only part he ever had that was his by title deed was what he paid for himself not what God gave him. So sometimes we pray and we wait and we pray and we wait and we're looking for God's deliverance and we think God's gonna do this and God's gonna, and God says, I am, but just not in the way you're looking for it. I may believe God's perfect. I may believe God makes No mistakes. So there has to be a trust. And you see, faith is a great thing. And there's millions of people on the face of the earth today that believe in God. And they have enough faith in Him to believe Him for salvation. 
They can't believe him for the Holy Ghost. They can't believe him to help their life and, you know, measure up to the standard of holiness and things like that. But they believe God and they believe there is a God. And they do well by doing that. But trust is a total different thing than faith. And when it comes down to it, there are very few people that God can ever hammer and beat and test and try that we'll be able to trust him. To take something that they love so very much and they will still trust him. Why would God let Rachel carrying her second child which she will name Benoni. Bearing children is one of the greatest blessings a woman could have in the Old Testament. A woman that could not become pregnant and bring forth a child, it was awful for them in the Old Testament. Rachel has the one child, she conceives again, and on their journey, Her nurse says she's in great pain. Now remember, she was the favorite wife. And this is the blessing of God. She's had the blessing of God, the promise of God. And God lets her die in giving birth to the son. This is the greatest blessing a woman can have. And God lets her die. Our sermon title, Why? Why? She wasn't committing adultery with some other man. She wasn't worshiping an idol. She wasn't doing some terrible something, she was in the line of the blessing of God. And God let her die. And in her dying breath, she said, call him Benoni. And her husband says, no, not Benoni. But being Yamin, not son of sorrow. How was he able? How was he able to rename that child in such sorrow and look upon the corpse of his favorite wife? You see, God has always done things in such a way that his people would absolutely have to trust him no matter what. Again, I find it amazing that Jacob, neither in the history nor could I find it anywhere in the Jewish writings that Jacob spent years of his life thereafter. Well, I don't understand. How come? Why? 
Why'd God do this? Why'd God do that? And why'd God do something else? There's a great peace of being able to ask God to help us when we go through a great loss. And instead of spending all of our time, why, 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 saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Look at Job chapter 3, verse 11. Notice now a few examples when humans ask why. Why died I not from the womb? Why did not I give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should suck? Now here is a man in great anguish. Here is a man that's asking why, but he sure don't have the right attitude, does he? He curses the day he was born. Even goes further back in the book of Job and said, cursed be the time it was said a man child is born. He even cursed the night he was conceived. Why? He's pondering on why instead of committing why to God. Psalm 10 verse 1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? Psalm 42, 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones and mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. David was one of the greatest writers, of course, of the Old Testament when it comes to songs and psalms, and he asked why more than any other individual. But yet his whys never stole his joy, because there's a lot he didn't understand. David pondered and he looked at the wicked and he said, why do the wicked prosper? Like a green bay tree, they flourish and they grow. And he said, the righteous go through so much stuff. God, I don't understand. He said, why, why? Why will destroy you if you let it? Or you can turn this why and otherwise into a stepping stone of the grace of God. You see, one reason God does not immediately give us an answer to why is He wants to temper our patience. Then he will let us look back and we begin to catch a glimpse. Oh, 
oh, I, I didn't know that would come out of this and that would come out of this and that would come out. If he showed us that immediately, it would appease us. But he's saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Brother Donnie, do you understand? I do not. I drove through the cemetery the other day by myself. Lance asked me if I'd go take care of the plot for him. I drove up that road and I said, God, this can't be happening. This cannot be real. This is a bad dream. I'll I'll wake up. I'll come to myself. As I sat there and read that paper with Erica's name on that paper, heaven decided that paper. I was like, no. No. No, this can't be. Psalm 88, 14, Lord, why casteth off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? You know, I I love so many aspects of the message. I love the healing. I love the deliverance. I love the deep things of God. But I find little things that can speak such volumes to us when we're going through questions and things. And one of them is here in Masterpiece. I want you to notice the title of the sermon, The Masterpiece. Brother Bram says, we just got in from Philadelphia, so I came in thinking I was going to have to go to Arizona right quick for have a funeral service for a friend of mine, Captain Jim Mosley. Very precious, godly boy I led to Christ not long ago, the three Mosley brothers, and one of them fell. It was in the plane the other day and was killed instantly laid in the fire for 10 hours before they got to him. So Lee is 28 years old, his wife 26, and leaves three little children, the oldest seven. Very sad. And when they got him, they had to bring him the next day, so I didn't get to go. I just wrote out and sent my telegram what I was going to say. And I would have said at Brother Moses' funeral. I want you to listen to these words. Some of these things we can't understand. Can anybody say amen? But yet... Thank God for the but yets. But yet, he makes everything work just right. 
How could anything good come out of a 28-year-old man married to a 26-year-old woman with three young children? How could anything good come out of such? I don't know. But I believe it did. Because our God does not lie. And our God makes no mistakes. Praise the Lord. So when we face things that we don't understand, and we look at them and we try to reason, if you're like me, the more you figure with your head, the farther it gets away from the reality of God. Now, some of you may be wondering, Brother Donnie, was it a waste of our faith to pray for Sister Erica over and over again? I tell you, no, it was not a waste of our faith. And I told Lance the other day, you know what I would do different about Erica's situation? He said, what? I said, absolutely nothing. And just in case... Hell is wondering what I'm going to do from this point on. I'll tell every demon out of hell. I think most of you ought to know me. But just in case you're wondering, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the gospel with more fervency and more desire and more passion than I've ever preached it in my life. I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm gonna have prayer lines. I'm gonna cast out devils. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. But if we want his will, his no's are just as important to us as his yeses. And some people, when God will say no, they think, well, we must not have had faith. Or maybe it was somebody else's fault. Or maybe, maybe this. That's, that's our mind, of course. I'd like to recall a story to you this morning about the little Stedscliff baby. How can I overcome? The mother, of course, speaking this, this is my baby, Brother Branham, never been to death in her family. This little thing took sick one morning and died that afternoon. And all of them standing around and giving prophecies and things. The baby's going to raise up and all like that. And I said, well, that's mighty nice, Sister Sescliff, but let me see what Father says. I went out to the woods and I prayed, come back in. She'd uncalled two or three times before I got back the next morning. The doctor said, all right. said, if, if you have faith like that, the lady kept the baby in the hospital, let it lay there. You stay right with it. That's all right. Brother Sadcliffe went and seen the army major. They said, sure, we'll fly him over and bring him back. And there was a plane sitting waiting to take me over that morning and bring me back that night to Germany, to Heidelberg, Germany, for the resurrection 
of this baby. I said, sure, God can do it. But let's see what his will is. That's what we wanted. More than anything. This is how much I believe in his resurrection. Last Sunday when we were gathered here for Erica's graduation service, I kept listening for a knock. On the inside of that box, somebody let me out of here. Didn't happen on Sunday. So I kept looking for it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. You're crazy, Emma. I believe we're living that close. Look at the signs in Israel. Look at the armies. Look, friend, look how fast this has happened in Israel. I believe the coming of the Lord is closer than it's ever been in our lives. If you're not ready, you better get ready. I went out and prayed all night. Nothing happened. Come back the next morning, nothing happened. I started in the room just then. I looked there and there stood that light hanging there in the door and said, don't put your hand on that. Don't rebuke that. That's the hand of God. I got on the phone and I said, Sister Saskatoon, bury your baby. It's the hand of the Lord. It's God's will. Something would happen to that baby. Down along the line, you let it go right where God knows where it is, where it is. You can go to it now. If it lives, you won't. If it lives, you won't. Sometime later, this sister asked the prophet, Brother Branham, didn't I have enough faith? He said, no, sister. You had great faith. Because when God said no, you still believed him. That's what I want our testimony to be. So what if God would have showed us almost four years ago that the outcome would be what we all have embraced now as reality as far as with Erica. Erica wasn't just part of our family, she's part of you. People around the world. I have never seen in my years of being in the message, one little life that touched so many around the world. I'm still getting condolences and cards and texts and emails from people. People all over the globe are brokenhearted. I'm not just speaking this to you this morning. I'm speaking this all over the world. Saints of God, thank you for your prayers. But be encouraged. The Lord Jesus heard your prayers. 
And I believe with all of my heart that devil could not have took her had it not been her time to go. Amen. Satan does not have the power to take us. But what if God would have showed us three and a half, four years ago when Erica was diagnosed with this, this is my will, I'm going to take her. Would we have had the faith to ask him time and time and time again to move for this and God would move for her? To move for that and God would move for her? Or would we just say, well, you know, it's probably the Lord's unsaid, she's going to go, so I guess we shouldn't do it. Don't you see God displayed himself over and over and time and time and time again when God heard and answered our prayers and he moved the pain. And if we had not have prayed, how much worse would it have been for her? But Brother Donnie, did you think she was going to be healed? I did. Yes. Did you, Brother Darrell? Anybody the rest of y'all figure she's going to be healed? Oh, I see. So you mean children of God can look at something and be wrong on the outcome? Let's look at our prophet. On the wings of the dove, the prophet had real bad stomach trouble. He saw a vision early on. And he saw a squirrel in this vision and he took a stick and raked the side of the tree. And that squirrel climbed up in that tree and jumped at the prophet and he had his mouth open in a vision. And the squirrel went in his mouth and went down into his stomach just tearing him all to pieces. Now this is Wings of a Dove at Jack Moore's in 1965. And he said every seven years this thing would come back. And he said that's where I'm at now, seven eights, which is age of 56. So now he sees again another vision. And he sees the squirrel as it jumps and he said, I wonder if that thing is still there. And he got close to that tree in the vision and whenever he did, that squirrel jumped out of the tree and it started toward his mouth, but it missed his mouth. And it flew by him and missed his mouth. I said about 11 o'clock, I was going to a little cove back where a little place turned back like this over a deer trail. And I had my shirt off, my hat in my hand because I was lathering with sweat. I turned in there and as I turned to the little cove, I felt the presence of the Lord. And I jerked off my hat and looked around and thought, he's here somewhere. I know he's here. I thought, what is it? And I made a few more steps and I said, Lord, you're here somewhere. And I looked laying on the pass And there laid that little squirrel. It had jumped at something and missed it and hit a bunch of choya, that's jumping cactus. It rammed through his head, chest, stomach, and he was dead. That odd looking little squirrel had missed my mouth and hit the choya. And the voice of the Lord said, your enemy is dead. I stood there, I trembled, I took my foot, 
Now here he sees that odd looking little animal and the voice of the Lord says, your enemy is dead. So what would most of us think about that? We would think we were going to be healed. And so did he. So did he. Notice this date, 11-28-65. Notice paragraph 225. Why? Oh, why? Why me, an old man, suffered all my life? Why did he heal me now? I believe I'll ride this trail again. I want you to look at this now. Brother Branham believes, Brother Darrell, that God is going to heal him. And he was right. But just not in the way that Brother Branham thought. You see, we all believe God was going to heal Erica. And he did. Just not in the way we thought. He was going to heal her of her mortality. People say, well, she lost her battle against cancer. (laughs) No, she didn't. Them lesions on her liver are dead. Them lesions on her pancreas are dead. Them lesions on her brain are dead. But she is alive. Last Sunday, Lance called me about 9.20. I was getting ready to come to church. He said, Brother Donnie, I hate to bother you, but Erica's in such pain. She's wanting to know if you'll come down. I said, Lance, it's a close. I'm not sure that I can get somebody to take the service. He said, please. I could hear her in the background. Have Daddy come. So I asked Brother Joe, and I hated to, but he said, I'll, I'll take the service. So I got down there. Carol went. We prayed for her. The Lord moved for her. Helped her with the pain. Later in the day, Harry, Karen, Justin, Lish, Scotty, Ashley, Courtney, all of us come. Erica got to feeling better. She got to spend time with each one of her girls. I was standing close when she got to talk to one of them. And she said, always remember this. We serve a mighty God. Don't you never forget it. Later in the evening, I got to talk to her a little bit. She told me, Daddy, the devil has messed up this time. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to just say why today. I want to say 
Why not? Why should my family be exempt from such heartbreak? My heart has been broken over and over again down through the years, just like yours. But I have to say, I've never experienced such a heartbreak as this. But why should I be exempt? And why should you? We want to go to heaven. We want to walk down streets of gold and we want to be exempt from difficulty. I have known him when his blessings was as my bread. I have known him when his peace was so deep on this earthly path I tread. I have known him when his Shekinah enveloped me in his love. I have known him when El Shaddai overshadowed me like a dove. But now I have known him when my heart felt it would break when my flesh did tremble and my body did shake. I've known him in a way like never before. He is my king, my God, and my Lord. Listen, Brother Branham says, I say to my father tonight, as Junior, talking about Junior Jackson, dreamed in a dream the other night on the wings of this dove moving through the windows. Lord, your servants reporting for service. Amen. I'm ready. So Brother Branham and and himself thinks he's going to be healed physically. And he's going to start on the west coast and ride east. And there's going to be a great revival that's going to shake the world. And in a month's time, he was gone. Gone. Listen to this. What if God, he says, would have told John the Revelator, it's going to be 2,000 years before my coming. John would have come back and told the church, well, I guess we might as well eat, drink, and be merry because there's going to be many generations. Jesus ain't coming for 2,000 years. See, the church had been loose. They wouldn't have been on the mark There'd been no waiting. Don't you understand the faith that Erica had, that you had, that we had as our family? That faith is what led up to her passing and crossing over Jordan. It was not in vain. So if the Lord Jesus would have told John the Revelator, look, John, go ahead and tell them. Them seven churches are actually seven church ages It's going to be over 2,000 years before I'm going to come back. People that don't understand that, they say, oh, I've heard the coming of the Lord preached all of my life. That's right. Because in every generation, there was an elect of God that needed to prepare for that. This may be some of your last day of ever hearing it preached because a generation ends every day. But don't you see what that does? 
Listen to the way he explains this. It's your anticipation. If you fall asleep in that watch, you wake with them same anticipations. So when John, when Paul, when Bartholomew, when Matthew, Mark, Luke, when all of them raised in the resurrection, they will raise with them same anticipations because they look for Jesus to come in that hour. Every saint of God that held right on to the promise as a hero of faith, waiting for their healing, they will awake with that anticipation and that freshness knowing they have a new human body. Why? That's what they was looking for and they died in faith and they will awake in that faith and there they will step into that human body. That same anticipation. Notice he said when St. Martin awakes in the resurrection, St. Paul, all the rest of them, they'll be just as fresh as they were right in the battle battling right away because they went right down under the same anticipation. But people look at and say, well, no, it was in vain. It was not in vain. As Erica's time got closer on Monday night, the Lord just dropped in my heart. I reached and got my phone. Brother Darrell had come to be with us. and I reached and got my phone and opened it up to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. As their daddy, I would have done anything and everything to go with her as far as I could go. But only Jesus could reach and help her across that chasm where she's fixing to go. Aren't you glad that we have a shepherd to help us? Your mama, your daddy, they can't go that way. But Jesus can. Let me read this to you. Brothers, I skip down to the Smyrnian church age. Be thou faithful unto death. He does not say faithful until death, but unto death. You may have to seal your testimony with your blood. Thousands, yea, millions have died during all the ages. They died in the faith. Like Antipas, the faithful martyr, they held not their lives unto death. Often we think it would almost be impossible to be a martyr, but dare to recall that the faith we use daily to triumph in Christ Jesus is the same faith that upholds the polycarps and all martyrs. The supreme faith will give supreme grace for the supreme hour. Blessed be God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's power is.
Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth, Lord, we don't come before you today with all the answers. We don't come before you today because we understand this and that. I pray you would help us all, Lord. I find it so amazing because Erica never thought she's very important. She knew that she was my daughter and I was known around the world and she never thought she was very much. But as I told Lance the other day, Lance, what if she would have never have dealt with this and on a trip to Walmart or something, she would have been in an automobile accident and her life would have been taken. She would have been well up to that time. Would her life touched as many people? It would not have. I've heard it over and over again. As Liz told me the other day, Dad, whenever you and Mom can, you need to read the things that people have said about her and how her faith touched their lives. We know heroes come in many sizes. I've been privileged to stand and speak at the funerals of many mighty men your valiant soldiers, preachers, pastors. But Lord, I know there's also another class of hero. They're not preachers, they're little daughters of God that have been true, little grandmothers, little fathers and grandfathers that have been true and faithful. Lord, as I was reading one of the battalions, and we know that in Israel, whether you're man or woman, They require all of you, unless your health would prohibit you to serve an element of time in their armed forces. And as I was reading of this certain battalion of women fighters, and they sent these women in among these cruel, cruel militants, and then women destroyed every one of those And I thought, it's sort of like the army of God. God don't just have men. God don't just have deacons and trustees and preachers. But God's got daughters, grandmothers. Hallelujah. And they slay giants. Father, I thank you for my little girl. As me and Carol was talking this week, we were blessed to be able to have her for 44 years of our life. We're thankful, Lord. So the greatest thing we can do is to continue on, to follow in the same path and meet her, Lord. So I pray every son of God, every daughter of God that's sitting here today with maybe questions, and I know it must be on their heart, or you wouldn't have put it on my heart to speak this way today. Others around the world, may they also have some answers applied to their hearts, Lord. Again, I say to hell, look out, because here we come.
We love you, Father. Anoint us like never before, Lord God. May we stand like a mighty army of the living God. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. May we stand together, saints. And he loves him with all your hearts. You want to be faithful to him all the way. All the way. What about it, preacher brothers? We're more determined than ever before. Are we? More determined. What about it, saints? Brothers, sisters, young people. We're more determined than ever before. We serve notice on hell today. We ain't backing up. I'm not stopping praying for the sick. Anybody in our church starts going through something similar to what Erica going through, I'm going to be right here with you. We're going to stand behind you. We're going to pray. General orders, Brother Darrell mentioned it, done such a beautiful job at the service. General orders is lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We're going to follow that. Anoint them at all, right? Cast out devils in my name. You obey traffic laws every day of your life when you drive. Some of you will go through several wherever you're going for lunch on your way home. That traffic light tells one side to stop and the other to go. You will obey that countless of times unless there's a police officer standing there and your side says green, but he does this to you and he overrides them general orders of that traffic light. That's what our Lord did. We obeyed his word. But Brother Donnie, did we miss him? We didn't miss him none. We done exactly what he told us to do. How many times that Carol and I would go down and pray for Erica and her being such pain that it was almost unbearable. And we would go pray and her and Lance and the little girl sitting right around her, all of us taking her by the hand and laying our hands on her and pray for her five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes and the presence of God never one time failed but to come in that room and move for her. Could not he have delivered her? Absolutely. But somehow he had a greater yes. A greater yes. Praise God. I believe with all of my heart we will hear and see of the greatness of God that came out of that life. You sisters, don't think that you're of no value at all. God can do a great thing with you ladies. Let your life, let your life, it is absolutely unbelievable the remarks that I've heard from around the world. People that was at the funeral, people that don't even serve God, people that's been going to different denominational churches that are ready to turn in their papers and come here because they never experienced anything like it in their life. I told Carol before we had the service, I said we need to pray that the Lord God will help us that the service won't be so sad, but his presence will be so welcome 
that maybe there'll be a seed of God that'll walk in there and sense the presence of God in a way that they've never sensed it before. We're privileged to live in this. We're privileged to live in his courts. But there's people out here that don't know it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As a church body, you need time to mourn, surely. As the pastor, I need time. My wife, Alicia, her sister, Scotty, Ash and Courtney, of course, Lance, the girls, all of you. But we don't want to spend the rest of our life mourning. We want to mourn and we want to pay tribute for a life that's been among us. But we've got work to do. I said, we have got work to do. Cry, sure, cry, do whatever it is that you need to do. But when you're done crying, gird your sword on. Put your helmet on. And let's see what our God is going to do among us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Harry, let's sing, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I mean, he's going to join ranks with us this morning. Let's stand together like we've never stood before, saints of God. You love him with all your hearts? Oh, I know I didn't answer none of your questions. I could. I don't have the answers myself. But I'm here to tell you, let's not spend all of our time on why this and why that and how come that. But no, we did the right thing. And if another situation similar comes, we will do the same thing again. We will pray, we will hold them before God, and God will move according to his will. Well, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Yes, I'm on the battlefield. I promised him that I would serve him till I die. Now I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Once again, oh, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Battlefield for my Lord. Look down. I promised him that I would serve him till I die. Sinner too, I 
heard a voice from heaven Saying there is work to do I took the master's hand And I joined the Christian band Now I'm on the battlefield For my Lord I'm on the battlefield For my Lord I'm on the battlefield For my Lord I promised him that I would serve him till I die I'm on the battlefield for my Lord I left my friends and kindred bound for the promised land the grace of God upon me my Bible in my hand to distant lands I trod crying sinner come to God and be on the battlefield for my Lord I'm on the battlefield for my Lord I'm on the battlefield for my Lord I promised him that I would serve him till I die well I'm on the battlefield for my Lord I'm on the battlefield for my Lord I'm on the battlefield for my Lord I promised him that I would serve him till I die well, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I promised Him that I would serve Him till I die. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Amen. I believe we got something worth fighting for, don't you? Hallelujah. And it's already our land. Footsteps means possession. We're going to possess the land. Amen. Amen. I, I tell you, I've always admired Brother Donnie. I've looked up to him. Been my pastor for 30-some years. I tell you, I've never thought more of him than I have today. Amen. <laughs> I saw a mighty warrior, a hero of faith. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been good to be in the house of God. And the honesty, sometimes we just don't know why. And sometimes we may never know why. But I do know that if we trust him, there, there's a release that comes with that that helps you through difficult moments. I, and I've told you this before, but the, the night of the accident when Homer and Rachel was just instantly taken from us and the doctors was weeping, friends of mine who told me, your daughter will not live. And Cheryl's sitting there crying and shaking and I had to get a wastebasket and she had to throw up 
She said, I don't know. Why? Why are we going through this? She said, you're gone all the time. You're never at home. You're out preaching. Why, why would God do this to us? And I said, listen, honey, I don't know why. I don't know why. She said, I don't understand. And I said, sometimes, sometimes God don't ask us to understand. He just asks us, can you trust me? And when you can trust him, there's a release comes with that. That'll bring you through difficult times. Amen. Do you love him today? Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here with your children today, Lord. And Father God, I ask you once again, if I've asked you many times, be with the families, Lord, of those that's lost loved ones. Comfort their hearts, Lord, strengthen them, I pray. Be with the church family, Lord, and others, dear God, who's battling this disease. May you strengthen them, Lord. Brother Ron, Sister Brenda Jones, my sister Judy, Lord. Oh, God. May you strengthen them, Lord. We pray others, Father, maybe not battling this disease, but arthritis or marital trouble, financial trouble, different battles, Lord. But, Lord, no matter what the battle is, our captain is the same. It's the Lord Jesus, and you promised us, Lord, that you'd never leave us nor forsake us. So, Lord, go with your people today, Lord, as they enjoy this beautiful time of the year, Lord, and the leaves. And may you bless them today, Lord. Give them traveling grace wherever they would be going. Comfort the hearts of the family, Lord, continually, we pray. And until we gather back here again, keep us, Lord, under your wings. Because there ain't no better place to be than under the wings of Jehovah. Bless Brother Donnie, Lord, strengthen him. I, I know it wasn't easy, but, Lord, we're so grateful to see such, such courage, Lord, in the pulpit. It strengthens all of us, Lord, and we thank you for that today. Bless him, Lord, we pray. We commit this congregation, Lord, of this service and all that we do and say into your hands for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. You can go in the fear of the Lord. Is <clears throat> Remember the services Wednesday night. Why would I worry when giants come calling my name? Mm, my God is so much bigger than troubles I face. Why would I hunger for power or riches or fame? My God is so much greater than all of these things. So I won't be shaken. I won't be My God is faithful, His promise is true. So I'll speak to the mountain, 
matter Cause they know the battle is won God is the victories already won. Yeah, he died for my ransom and rose up on the third day. Cause my God is greater than death, hell, and the grave. So I won't God is bigger, better, 
stronger, greater He's bigger, better, stronger, greater, bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. I won't be shaken, no, I won't be moved. My God is faithful, His promises are true. I speak to the mountain Oh, it's time to move Cause my God is bigger, better, stronger, greater than you I love you, Lord For your mercy never fails me In all my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father my friend and I have lived 